Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. This is part two of the message we started last week called Authority and Power. Authority and Power. And this message all comes from the conversation that Jesus had between um, himself and these uh, chief priests, elders of the people, the um, teachers of the law, where they ask him, paraphrased, by what authority do you possess this power to do these miracles? See, they realize that there's no way you can have or operate in this um, unlimited power without submission to authority. And we even looked at the um, centurion that recognized that just in a military standpoint when he says, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house to, to heal my sick servant. Just say the word. Why? Because I'm a man under authority. I know how authority works. All you have to do is speak and the world will listen to you. And so we jumped into uh, this because Jesus told two parables when addressing their answer or their question. The first one being the parable of the two sons, which basically states God has two sons, those who do and those who don't. And we looked at a few things uh, speaking specifically on authority. Which is uh, you submit to authority by co-laboring with authority. And we gave that illustration of, you know, you stand, you come up underneath the one behind you. And it's as if they put their hand on your shoulder. Because you have them right behind you. You have God right behind you, hand on your shoulder. So you have the authority that God has given you when you stay up under his authority, you have his hand on your shoulder. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I have all authority, heaven and earth, on the earth and even under the earth, all of it. But you have to submit, stay under and co-labor with his authority to move in his authority. We talked about how Jesus condemned, basically, in Matthew 7, those who operate in power without authority. And you're like, well, how can that be? It actually can be. You can actually call upon the name of Jesus in, the, in all his power, in all faith, and see a miracle happen and yet not be submitting to his authority. He shows us that in Matthew 7 when he condemns those who are doing that. He says uh, it will be in those days, but see, they're actually... They, actually think that it's by that power that, that um, they possess or they use that gives them the right to the kingdom, and that's not it. You come into the kingdom, the kingdom comes into you, and then you can extend the kingdom in power. And he actually said in those days, those people that are doing all these miracles will come to him and Say, Lord, Lord, look at all the things we've done for you. Look at all the miracles we've performed. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, but we did all these miracles. We did all these great things. And he said, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In one translation, he called them, you know, wicked servants, you evildoers. Those who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness means to live as if there is no law. The parable of the two sons was saying that, you know, the father gave the command to one and the one says, oh, sure, I'll do that. And never goes and does that and gives the same command to the other son. And he says, nah, I don't feel like doing that. But then later he repents, changes his mind and goes and does it. The second son was living as if God never, the father never gave him a command. He was practicing lawlessness as if there was no command to follow. The one that finally repented and went and did 
then understood. He had to change the way he was thinking. Hey, there's a command of the Father, and there's going to be a, a accountability to that command. Did you do or did you not do, right? I mean, every parent knows that when you leave the house and you tell your kids, hey, before I get back, make sure you do this, this, and this, right? They know there's a time you're coming back and you better have done this, this, and this. And there's times I've walked in the door and saw them running. Because they delayed. They procrastinated. But they knew there's going to come an accountability time. When mom and dad get home, that we better have this, this, and this done. We're the same way. God has a law. He has a command. Jesus says, those who love me will do as I command. You know, over and over again, he says, don't say you love me and you don't obey me. Don't say you love me and you don't obey me. You know, again, wives and husbands, you can stand up and have the most elegant, beautiful wedding that cost your parents more money than their house. And I love you, and I love you, and I love you. And walk away and live your separate lives. Do your own thing, and it means nothing. You have to prove it. You have to prove it. You have to prove it. So lawlessness, Jesus condemns those operating in the power without his authority. At the end, I'm sorry, you know. Point number three, as we talked about, you must be under his authority to operate in his authority. And again, it's that hand on his shoulder. It's that, that, yeah, that big brother <laughs> that's right there, that you're the little Urkel. Anybody remember that TV show, Urkel? Okay, all the older ones, yeah, yeah, okay. You know? It's the Urkel in us that's walking around, you know, proclaiming and extending the kingdom of heaven onto earth. Not in our strength, but because big brother's right here. We're staying in submission, co-laboring with his mission. And he's got all the power to back it. I said yesterday at one of the MDC classes, it's when we stay in right authority, in right submission to his authority, when he has his hand on our shoulder, he hands us his checkbook that he's already signed every one of those checks and saying, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Why? Because we're staying under his authority, moving in his authority, in his authority, and all that power that we'll talk about today is then extended through us. For what reason? To extend his kingdom, to extend his kingdom. So without proper authority, the power you operate in is unlawful. And that's what he said in Matthew 7, they'll be called to account for. You are using my power without my authority. You know, we talked about a man who would walk in here and start waving around a gun, yet he, you know, didn't have a badge on. <laughs> he can't do that. Why can't he do that? Because it's against the law. What would we call him? A criminal. Right? A lawbreaker. When you operate in God's power without staying submitting or submissive under his authority, it's unlawful. And you'll be held accountable. So today we're going to continue on with the second parable that Jesus goes into as we focus on power, the second part of this message. So let's read, starting in verse 33. Jesus continues on, still answering that question, by what authority do you possess the power to do these miracles? So he goes on into the second parable, starting in verse 33. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent another then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. 
Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, there is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him, threw him outside of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? What will he do to the tenants? Again, he's illustrating this question. By what authority do you possess the power to do these miracles? He's setting them up to show them there's power under authority. When you stay under authority, when you listen to the authority, when you obey the commands of the authority under you, there comes a power. And I love it that he showed us in the parable of this, the tenants, that there's also a harvest, part of the harvest that you get. Because he came to collect his fruit. What part of that fruit do you think it was? The first, the first part is his. He should get the first part, the best part. He rented the land out to the tenants. So you can go ahead and you can till up my land. You can go ahead and plant in my land. You know, I've got good soil. You can go ahead, throw, cast your seed right here. But when I come to get my portion, that's all I ask for. But they said, forget it. You know, we did all this work. It's my money. You ever hear somebody say that? I work the 40 hours a week. It's my money. I can do what I want to with it. Well, good luck with that one. You know, we are renters on this earth. We are tenants here, stewards of all the resources he's given us. He is Lord of all, over all. He is the king. Are you guys awake today? Okay. You're all just very... Okay. The land owner, he sends his servants. How many times have we seen in, in the Bible? He sends his servants in to warn them, warn them, warn them. Hey, hey, hey. Do. Don't just be hearers. Be doers. God's given a command. Obey the commands. Here's all the promises if you obey the commands. Here's the blessings if you obey the commands. You know, I remember it, it raising six kids. Um, kids talk among themselves if you didn't know that. And I don't remember which one came back to me at one time and, and asked why they don't get an allowance. You know, my friends get allowance. I said... Okay, why don't you get me a piece of paper and let's write this out. Um, so your chores are, bum, bum, bum. Usually it never includes more than about three things, right? Because we had enough kids. We spread out the work. Anyway, um, which Amy, you should never have to do anything. Anyway, just, just saying a plug for you there, mama. Um, I said, okay, so you do these things. So if I give you a wage, what do you think a good wage would be? And we work that out. And okay, now let's start looking at clothes, fooding, you know, clothing, food, uh, housing, electricity. You know, you take a shower. Oh, I, well, up until, you know, 12, 13, they do their own laundry. But uh, I do your laundry, you know, da, la, 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 la. okay, you owe me now. So I can, I can go ahead and give you this, um, you want this, what's it called again, allowance? I can give you this allowance, but if you're going to bill me for your chores, I'm billing you for what I provide for you. They're like, never mind. <laughs> yeah, right? We are tenants on here, on this earth. Everything we have, the job that you say you got, you only got because he was good enough to allow you to have it. Everything you possess 
even, listen, even the breath in your lungs, you are breathing because he has allowed you and breathed into you to begin with. So everything you have is because of him, for him. We're just tenants. So in order, and we got into this at the, um, on the MDC classes, but the, he provided one thing in this world that could keep a good measuring rod upon our heart and our life, because our heart, it determines our life, where we head. Our heart usually sets that course. You want to keep this in right alignment. Where do we hide this? Wherever your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And it seems so futile, futile, or however you want to pronounce that, when you think about it in light of heaven. In heaven, the streets are paved with gold. And yet we grab a hold of a dollar and we hold it so tight, it's like, don't you dare ask for this from me. And I'm not even preaching on money this morning. I'm not. But again, it goes back to the heart. We have to understand our place, tenants. We are tenants in this vineyard of the Lord's. He's allowed us to settle here, to farm the land, and he'll even help produce a great harvest when we're planting into his good soil. Go ahead and eat of it. But in order to keep you in perspective, right perspective, and your heart right before him, don't forget he's first. Don't forget he's first. Don't forget he's the landowner. And so you honor him by giving him the first, by giving him the first fruits. Then the landowner thought when he sent his servants and they just beat them, killed them, he said, well, surely they will respect my son. Does this story sound familiar? When I send my son, they'll respect him. And yet the servants or the tenants saw the son and said, that's the heir to all of this. If we kill him, we get all this. What were they saying? I want his inheritance, but I'm not serving him. I want his inheritance. I want his power. I want what he possesses, but I'm not submitting to his authority. And so they seized him, drug him outside the vineyard. Sound familiar? Beat him and kill him. And then they came, and I don't know, they think that, okay, that will teach that landowner. Oh, you just, you just made him mad. And nobody wants a mad God, right? Who can stand before the vengeance of the Lord? Who can stand before God and demand, oh, I got you now? Let's continue reading. So Jesus asked them, therefore, at the end of that parable, Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, there it is. He's telling you, okay, <laughs> that landowner's coming back. And he'll call you all into an account. To give an account for what you've done while you're here. We'll all be called into account. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they replied, listen, oh, they always had the right answer, didn't they? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. I just want to start using that word more. Bring those wretches to a wretched end. They replied, he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Boy, they knew what to do. Teachers of the law, hearers of the word. We know the right answers to say, but were they doing? It's not good enough to just hear. It's not good enough to just know. We have to do. And Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone. 
The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone, this cornerstone, will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. And we spoke to that a little bit more in detail last week. But it will be given, it will be taken from the wretched tenants and given to ones who will produce its fruit and give back to the landowner his share of the first fruits. So those, I mean, have you heard that in the scripture before? Where those who have will be given more, but those who don't have, even what they have will be taken from them? This is that principle. That you want to hold on and keep it for yourself, you'll never have enough. It'll constantly slip through your hands. The devourer will be there and this will break down, that will break down, that will go wrong, this bill will come due, that person will get sick. It's like money you just can't hold on to. It's like sand through your hands. But those who have, those who have the land and produce its fruit and give back to the owner those first fruits will constantly have an abundance of. How does that work? Don't know. Tenant A has $100. Tenant B has $100. Tenant B takes the first part of that, a minimum of 10%, right? First part, and gives it to the Lord. What are they left with? Come on, you guys can do simple math, right? Where's my fifth graders? You can do this. $90. Tenant A has $100. Decides that they want to go eat at McDonald's. Decides that they're going to pay this bill. They're going to fill up their gas tank. They come to uh, the landowner. Now they've got $10 left. And, well, this has got to last me the whole week. Well, here's a dollar. Are they going to make it through the week? No, they never will because it's a principle that God set up. As a matter of fact, he said, even that $10 you're holding on to, that's going to be taken from you because you've held on to it. This one over here with the $90 that are, is left and they honored God first, gave to the landowner first, you are priority, you are number one, I'm just a steward, $90. All of a sudden, that $90, the bill that was supposed to be $100 came due, and they found a credit for you, and now it's only $40 for that bill. Well, how does that work? I don't know. I was filling up my gas tank, and somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, can I pay for your gas? How does that work? Just like Amy was saying, how do you get a vacation for a third of the price? Because you put the priority of God first. That's how it happens. How in the world do we, and I know right now just because we got that multiplication, we've got more. If you look at that goal back there with the building fund, more that's come in, that's went out. But I'll tell you, until I just replace that, that green side, we were getting way more done than we had money come in. I mean, that was part of the testimony that we shared in the last Wednesday and the Wednesday before that it's supposed to be $9,000 was the estimate for the exterior doors that we needed. Now we're getting them for half that price. It's supposed to be $6,000 to finish covering up this ugly yellow outside the sanctuary so it either matches the green there or matches the new color here so we're not three different colors. And all of a sudden, a, a owner of a paint business says, you know what? I'm equipped. I know how to paint siding, and I can match that color. And how about if I do it instead of $6,000 to cover it with new siding, I paint it for $600. How does it work? I don't know. How do We, we get the carpet. The estimate $6,000 to put the commercial tiles out there of carpet. We, we're thinking it's going to be $6,000. All of a sudden, God brings this person right before me and uh, find the same carpet squares we're looking at. Now it's less than half 
How does he do it? Because we put him as a priority. You're the landowner. We're the tenants. He will take from those wretched tenants and give back to the ones who will produce its fruit, will keep him as the priority and honor him. That stands submissive to the authority. Honoring authority, respecting authority, staying submissive to the authority. Being the son that does and not the son who does not. I know that was not proper English. Getting the inheritance of the son only comes one way. That power comes only one way. And it's through the power. Actually, over and over again in the word, you'll hear the Holy Spirit almost synonymous with the word power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. What is that power? The Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Power is his spirit. And John chapter 15 is the, the job description, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. And it says that he takes, Jesus is saying this in John, John 15, right? Am I saying it? 16. I'll read it. However, when he, Jesus is saying, when he, the spirit of truth, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. Even the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. What he hears God saying, what he hears Jesus saying is what he speaks. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. Jesus is saying this. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Make it a reality to you. All things that the Father has are mine, Jesus said. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it, make it a reality to you. Jesus said it's the Holy Spirit who takes and makes it a reality. You can't get the inheritance any other way. The Holy Spirit, the power The Holy Spirit, the power, is the inheritance, the encounter. You have to have the encounter in order to have access to the inheritance. You have to experience the encounter with the Holy Spirit in order to access the inheritance. Otherwise, you're, you're operating in power that's unlawful. You're trying to go around like the tenants. I don't want to submit to that authority, but I want what he possesses. Get me around that submitting thing. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. But I want that. We teach this all the time. That with every promise, there's a condition. There's a, if you will do this, God says, then I will do this. People want to skirt around that if they have to and get to the, oh, God, I'm standing on your promises and you said you would do this and you said you would do that. And the word points back to, yeah, but you have to do this. I mean, remember the where the word says, if you draw near to me, God says, I will draw near to you. Then you can resist the devil and he will flee. People all the time stand clear over here and say, you know, I've just been beaten up lately and, you know, the enemy's just having their way with me and I'm standing firm and resisting the devil. And But it doesn't sound or feel like he's fleeing and I bring him back to the if. Well, how are you drawn close to God? Because that's the if to the promise. You can't skirt around the submission to the authority, the command of the Father to us, his sons, skirt around that command and get the promise. It's as foolish as the child demanding the 
allowance without doing the chores. I mean, if you're going to pay, I'm not preaching against allowance. If you want to do that, that's totally up to you. Your money is between you and God. I just have a higher standard for what I pay for. Anyway, I demand better service out of the... Anyway, you have, wasn't it back in the, not too long ago, I want to say olden days, but not too long ago, you know, you didn't hire workers to work your field, to work in your house, to, you know, you just had more kids, right? Put them to work. Anyway, sorry, kids. She's like, what are you doing? I know you're looking at me, aren't you? Don't tell them that. Sorry. You can't get around. I, I, I am very, 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 I don't even want to say strong-willed, um, very matter-of-fact when, when somebody says, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ as my Savior. Do you understand what that means? He's not just your Savior. Is he going to be your Lord? You can't grab the I'll get out of hell free card and not submit to the Lord. If you're ready to surrender your life, hello. See, I think we speak a lot of Christianese and we don't you know, understand what that means. We don't live out what that means. Surrender your life to the Lord means I hand over the reins of my life. And put them in his hands. Lord means that he's the one that calls the shots. I, I live now from now on under his lordship. Which means I don't get to go just do what I want to do. Do this and do that. It's Lord if you're willing I would do this. Or I will do that. Or I'll go here or I'll go there if you're willing. That one's in the Bible, too. But that encounter, it's got to come. It, here he stands right before you. I have all this behind me. All the inheritance, all of the kingdom, everything the Father has is mine. If you want it, here's the way. The encounter with the Holy Spirit is what? Puts in you and upon you the power to do all I've commanded you to do. So you don't have to earn your way to heaven. You don't have to muster up and be good enough to pray for somebody and hope that they'll get healed. You don't have to walk around wringing your hands. Oh, I, I hope I don't do this wrong. I hope I don't do that wrong. It's his power in you that gives you everything you need. To live a godly life. That power. Because you're here. You're backed up to his authority. Staying in submission. His power encounter with his Holy Spirit filling. Is the power then to go. It's like the you know boxer. The one two punch. <laughs> one. And two. It's the power to be. Jesus gave us authority and submission, co-laboring with the Great Commission. We read that in Matthew 28. His hand upon our shoulder, basically paraphrased, says, Authority has been given to me, and I will be with you as you go, preaching, teaching, and healing. And he said in Acts 1.8, But wait. Wait. For the promise of the Father, the power to do what I'm commanding you to go do. Because he could have just told us what to do. But he didn't want to leave us powerless. And he said, now wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I want to show you this parallel. When Jesus was water baptized. The heavens were opened up. It says that they were, the, the Greek word there was they were ripped open. 
Just like when Jesus died and the veil was ripped, it's the same Greek word used both times. Ripped open. The heavens were ripped open. And it said that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, came down upon Jesus and rested upon him. Rested upon him. The Holy Spirit leads him in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Resist the devil. The devil flees. He comes out of the wilderness now in all power. And now an explosion of miracles. When he gives the great commission. When he tells the disciples to go and wait for this power. They were all gathered as Jesus instructed in this upper room. Listen, while they waited, they heard, they felt, and they saw the Holy Spirit fall on them, come to rest on all of them, and then they spoke. The culmination of the head, who is Jesus Christ, Coming upon the body, who is all the believers, is the power that moves us. And I like, I kept saying that yesterday, the church, the force to be reckoned with. Because it's in all power. It's that culmination of the head. Think about that. The senses here. They heard. They heard. They saw. They felt. Probably smelt. You ever been in an atmosphere of worship and you just smelt that that sweet aroma? They smelt. They spoke. The culmination of the head upon the body. The empowerment that comes out of that. Then he flings open the timid one, flings open the windows and starts preaching such a bold message. That over 5,000 was it that day? 3,000 that day, 5,000 later, yeah. The whole town turned out, you know. It's just a multiplication. Was it him? Did he change? No, it was the power. It was the submission to go and wait. The authority said go and wait for the power that's going to come upon you. Upon you. The encounter of the Holy Spirit brought the fullness of the kingdom in heaven, in heaven, as it is in heaven, on earth. And I'm going to close with this and we're going to open up the altars. And then we're going to be, be we're going to start praying for those who want to be filled with the Holy Spirit or want to receive a more of a filling. Because actually the encouragement is us. To be filled, not just be filled, but continue to be being filled. It's a consistent pouring out, pouring out, pouring in, pouring through. It's a consistent action continually to be being filled. But in Ephesians chapter 1, in verses 18 and 23 through 23, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked. Not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head. There it is. Over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's the culmination of 
the head with the body is that power of the Holy Spirit that brings all of the inheritance through him. Amy, would you come? Jesus said at the end there in um, verses in verse 44, he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. Jesus is the cornerstone by which all things exist. Everything exists in him, for him, by him. He is the cornerstone. That when we draw near to him and when we fall upon him, he says you will be what? Broken to pieces, which means all that junk will fall away. That stone cold heart will be broken. The things that you've accumulated that you thought were uh, worthy just falls away. It's as if you return to that original purpose, that plan that you were created for, the individual that he saw and he knitted together in your mother's womb before even you took your first breath. When we fall upon him, Jesus, the cornerstone. He said, you can either come to me that way or I will come to you this way. The landowner will come back. And as a matter of fact, if you don't get to live long enough to see him come back, you'll come see him. He said it's pointed on to every man to die. And after that, face judgment. You'll face the king, the landowner that you have to give an account for everything. Why? Because it was all his. What did you do with it? How did you use it? And this is my this is Brenda. This isn't theological studies. This isn't, you know, this is how it is. This is just my personal belief. In Revelations, where it says that God will wipe away every tear when we get to heaven. I believe the tears we're going to shed is the understanding that will hit us on what God had for us. And how far below we lived that. This is what I had for you. This is what you trusted me for. This is all you believed I could do. This is all you believed you could do. And I had this for you. And the tears and the sorrow that would just overwhelm us. The, the Billy Grahams, you know, that he was calling out of us. You know, the Catherine Coleman's, the, you know, the Smith Wigglesworth, all the great. Do you ever think he's like, I'm knitting together uh well I don't know I'll just knit them together no he knit together he created every one of his children with a grand purpose why because the father gets glory in them and when we get to heaven and we see this <clears throat> the overwhelming understanding it said in that day you'll ask me nothing the overwhelming understanding. There's no more questions. You, you see everything. And what I could have done. It's just That's just Brenda. But we'll all be held accountable. For what we've been given. And what will we do? And I really believe we have to. I mean these two parables are calling us to fall upon the rock I'm sorry I've been that son that wicked son that would say one thing with my lips oh praise the Lord praise the Lord and then go off and do my own thing I, I want the blessing without 
submission to the authority. To fall upon the, the rock, to fall upon Jesus for being that the wretched tenant that thought that, you know, you can rent this parse part of his land and do what you please and never have to give him his share. But there's a time when we need to fall upon him. Repent as the one son did. He came to his senses as the lost son in the parable of the lost son. That, that other son, the parable of the two sons, it said he changed the way he was thinking. You know what? My father gave me a command. I think I better go do. And so before you can even ask for the encounter, before you can even ask for God, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit to be. Remember, his command was that they wait in the upper room to be filled with the power to be my witnesses. Here's for the power to do all I've commanded you to do. Wait for that. Before they could even get there, they had to fall upon the cornerstone. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Change the way you're thinking. It's not all about me. I can't receive the rewards. I can't receive the promise. I can't possess the power to do what he's commanded me to do until I do what he's commanded me to do. So would you just stand? We're going to take time right in our seats and just start crying out repentance, forgiveness. If that's you today, I know that uh, sometimes it's like a hamster wheel we get sucked into of life. Where it's like we can go a day, uh, two days, and all of a sudden the days turn into weeks. And, you know, and then all of a sudden we come on Sunday and we're like, wow, I never even picked up my Bible this last week. I don't even remember praying except for like, you know, throwing out, oh, Jesus, help me now and then this last week. But he said it's all in our perspective. Stewards walk knowing that all they have, all they possess, comes from the one who stands right behind them. And what I do is because he's behind me and he's told me to do it. I'm doing what he's told me to do. Now it's not about me anymore, but it's all for me. It's all for you. It's all for me. So before I call the ones up who want to be Phil, Pastor Neil, Deborah, myself, um, Devin, Crystal are in. We're going to pray for the ones that want to be filled. But let me just pray over you right now. And then I'm going to just release you to keep praying and keep pressing in and keep falling upon Jesus. And then I'll call those who want to be filled, want us to lay hands on them and pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, there's two instructions, two instructions, two instructions for getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Real simple. The first thing is Jesus never told him to go into the upper room and wait for the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's not what it's about. He said, go wait. Instruction number one. Instruction number two was wait until you receive the power. Wait. What are we supposed to do? Wait. But how will I know? Wait. You'll know. They heard. They felt. They saw. Then they spoke. Oh, you'll know. But wait. Wait. So, Father, right now, we just, God, we just surrender to you. 
everything we are. God, everything that we thought that we've built up and I don't know, to impress ourselves, to impress others with. I, I can't believe that we would think that possessing things would, would somehow impress you. And it's not that you don't want us to possess things. You don't want us to be blessed. You don't want us to have. But you want us to have and keep you in first priority. God, that you'll bless us. You'll multiply our harvest. You'll give to us. You said that when we honor you first, that we'll have an abundance of abundance. We'll have an overflow of abundance. Because then you're watching out for us. You're touching that seed. You're touching that harvest. We're not planting in our own field, but we're planting in your field. And honoring you first. You're first. You're first in all we have. You're first in all we are. You're first in our heart. You're first in our mind. You're first in our thoughts. You're first on our lips. You're first in our resources. You're first in everything. Why? Because you're the Lord of our lives. We honor you with that. We honor you through that. We honor you because of that. That we know in submitting to your authority that then gives us the authority, your authority, that we walk in. But God, just like you called the disciples to wait, I'm telling you what to do, but now wait for the power to do what I've commanded you to do. God, we lift up our hands to you today and we're going to cry out, not just cry out begging. You said it's a gift and you'll give it. It's a gift, and all we have to do is ask for it. And just to surrender. Yes, fill us. Yes, fill us. Yes, fill us. Yes, fill us. The power, the power.